You just made the list. Well, Lottie freaking God. I am 100% certain that I am 0% sure of what I'm going to do. Well, we should make a list. Lists are good. Lists are good. Lists are good. I love you in your face. Hey, best friends. Welcome to Lost in Lists. It's a podcast that loves lists and lists its loves. My name is Dan Connell-Pasek, and I am the host of this podcast. Each week, I invite a guest, and we rank our top five of some category. Now, we mostly won't claim that our rankings are the greatest choices, but we love them, and we will defend them tooth and nail. Enjoy! Hey there, best friend, John Andrus. How are you doing today? Hey, Dan. I have a question for oh, you. Oh, no. Your book. List all the times you've fallen flat on your face. Man, okay. I mean, I don't remember. A I'm thinking one physical. I'm not thinking metaphorical. On my face, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure I've fallen a few times, but uh-huh. I mean, I grew up in Iowa, so there's ice and snow all the time. Yeah. You had to have fallen a couple times. You know what I mean? I fell in front of my entire middle school one time when I was in middle school. Now, keep in mind, I That's went to a small good. Christian yeah. school and there was like 12 of us in middle school, something like yeah. that. It was really tiny. Hey. Uh, you went to a small Christian school. Did you guys have corporal punishment? I did. Okay, so like your teachers would spank you? I got spanked in fifth grade for pulling the fire alarm. Nice. Did you know that story? No, I didn't. I'm going to tell you another story. Okay. We recently had a fire drill. This is going a different direction. I was going to no. talk more about falling flat on your face, but John <laughs> hates this book, so we're going to no, talk about No, I love it. I love the book, and we can fall the flat, talk about the falling and flat later. No, because I have to go home and watch my son, and oh. that means we've got like a hot second. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is a short introduction here, folks. Here's what happened. My friend Jonathan and I were joking about pulling the fire alarm. Uh-huh. I don't know why. Right. I think recently we had a fire drill, and I was like, ooh, what if somebody pulled the fire alarm? Yeah. Ew. And I remember I like pretended that I was going to do it, and he pretended that he was going to do it, and then at one point he put his hand on the fire alarm, and I'm like, I'm going to hit it. And I went to hit his hand, and I hit the fire alarm and pulled oh. it. Now, my mom was one of the school secretaries, uh-huh. and so at my Christian school where there's like 80 <laughs> of us, we're all like lined up outside, <laughs> and my principal, who was also the pastor, was like, oh, my goodness, what happened? We didn't plan this. What's going on? The fire trucks show up, and my mom says, in retrospect, she says, I remember walking out and thought, what stupid kid pulled the fire alarm? And then she says, and then all of a sudden you came and started walking towards me, and I couldn't believe that it was you. The worst part of this story, I think, I don't know if I've told this on the podcast before, but the worst part of the story is that my brother told me later on, Dan, you really shouldn't have done that because I bet that those fire trucks were supposed to go to a different house. Sure. He really guilted And there might you. have been somebody that right. died in a fire That's because right. you pulled the fire alarm. That's and I right. was sobbing. But all that to I say, imagine. all that to say, Pastor Bethel gave me, that was the principal, Pastor Bethel, gave me three whacks with the with the paddle and I had to hold on to a chair uh-huh. and like put my butt towards him <laughs> yep. and they had to bring in a witness to hit me with the paddle. The witness didn't hit me. The witness sure. watched. Yeah, they watched. And then yeah. I think that he shared a passage from Hebrews oh, or something that's like funny. that. I don't that even remotely funny. remember. I went to a public school. Dan. You didn't get hit. Well, listen. Oh. Our teachers oh, absolutely spanked kids. Fantastic. And it was a public school. And wow. Like, I, I specifically remember when I was in third grade. This was before lawsuits. <laughs> kindergartner. A kindergartner was like upset and started running home and our hill our 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 school was on a hill oh iowa and it was he was running down the highway that's like everyone could look at down the hill and you could see the highway out in front of you he's taken off down the highway he's a kindergartner right no so the kindergartner teacher jumps in her car runs down there and we're all watching we're all it's a recess so we're all watching this kid and this car come flying down and like park right in front of him grab him she just threw him in the back of her car wow Drove him up, and then the third grade teacher took a ping pong paddle. They pulled down his pants and whipped him no, in front of didn't. the entire school. I'm oh, dead no. serious. Yeah, that was number one. Number two, the There's same two? kid, no. the same kid, was in the bathroom getting picked on Aww. by a group of people. I was in the bathroom at that same time. They were not physically injuring him, but they were messing with him. Okay, so in the messing with him, they all got. Everyone got that was in the bathroom got brought to the principal, and we were all we all had to tell our story. Wow! It it just so happened that I had not hit him, and he said in in the recount, you know, I I didn't touch him. Right. It was these other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they were like, 
all you guys are getting spanked. So we took, they took us all the principal. They went and got the high school principal. Oh dear. Who was six, five and really huge. <laughs> and he had a huge wooden paddle like that you would see in dazed and confused or something. Sure. Sure. And, like he, for a fraternity. He, he, he lined us up at the door. They brought him in one at a time, and you heard the kids. And we were all wow. in, we were in fifth grade at the time. These kids were all like the tough kids. Yeah. You know, and they were crying because this high school principal is like hitting them. <laughs> and I was last. And as I was But going, you didn't hit him. Right. And then as I was coming in, I was like starting to sweat. And like oh. uh, and then and then they were like, You're free to go. <gasps> like, as all these other kids had gone in. And so then after they had all left, then they said I could go and they didn't spank Wow. Me. Audience. It was, it was close. John and I just shared a lot of trauma with you. I guarantee that there will not be trauma from this episode. Wow. Public school. <laughs> Lawsuits today. Today's a fun one. Paul Thomas is here. His second time here. We are talking Ooh, he's about. He's good. He is so good. 90s movie songs. Oh. He has his piano. It's amazing. We stopped giggling. We didn't giggle the entire time like we did the first time. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for listening. Are you lazy like me and you hate brushing your teeth? Yes. <laughs> I wasn't ready for you. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Well, then you need a burst oral care toothbrush. Listen, brand ambassador Shelly Kaiser, great friend of mine, she is a brand ambassador and she sells burst oral care products. And let me tell you, they are fantastic. Fantastic. They've got toothbrushes. They've got water flossers. They've got whitening strips. They've got regular flossers that do not involve water. <laughs> I have one of those. I do too. And the toothbrushes come in black, white, and rose gold. Nice. I'm not fancy enough for rose gold. I just have the <laughs> black one, but I will tell you that I think that they're fantastic. There's a timer on the toothbrushes, so you don't even have to think about like how long you're supposed to be brushing your teeth. Your teeth feel so fresh and so clean after you're done brushing them. I just want to brush my teeth five times a day, but I won't because I can barely brush my teeth one time a day. But when I do with my Burst Oral Care toothbrush, I love it. So listen up, friends. If you've got dirty teeth or if you've got clean teeth and you just want to make them cleaner, BurstOralCare.com. Enter the code P-H-5-R-V-H. That is the code to enter to get discounts, to be able to help our friend Shelly out. And she's amazing. Friends, she is amazing. BurstOralCare.com. That's Puppy Happy 5 Rover Victory Happy. I don't think those are the correct words to use when it comes to (laughs) Burst Oral Care toothbrushes. They come packaged in little cool little cardboard containers and they've got smiley faces on them because you will have a smiley face on your face when you use Burst Oral Care toothbrushes. Burst. Burst. Hey there, best friend Paul David Thomas. I don't know why I had to say your last name. Or your middle name. <laughs> hey, the best friend, name. Paul David Thomas. Social security number is. Uh, welcome to Lost in Lists. How you doing, my friend? I'm thrilled to be back. Thrilled. Paul, the last time we were on our episode, we just giggled for about an hour and a half. So I don't know what's going to happen this one. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I did listen to about the first half. And because you get very, you know, it, it's kind of nerve wracking listening to yourself talk. And so you get self-conscious. Very much so. Very much so. Ah. I, I listened to every um and uh and pause. Oh, okay. And so, yeah. Yeah, no, I threw that out of the window. Like <laughs> episode two. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Paul, you are back today, and we're so excited to have you here. Paul, tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you're all about, uh, in case they didn't listen to the first time, which they should. Audience, go back and listen to the first time Paul was on the show. Tell the audience who you are, how are we connected. Go for it. Okay. Uh, yeah, my name, my full name is Paul David Thomas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> unique in that, I suppose, it's three first names, right? You know, Phenomenal. So. Um, Phenomenal. but I am a, I've known Dan since, uh, undergrad and we, uh, traveled around doing drama mm-hmm. at sundry different places, mm-hmm. um, uh, basements of churches. That's right. Weird camps. Random. Who yeah, knows? Weird who knows? Camps. Who, knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Um, uh, let's see. I teach music at Texas Women's University in, uh, Denton, Texas, and that's how I make my money. And nice. uh, yeah, that's that's me, I guess. I didn't call you Dr. Paul yet. No, that's, that's okay. My... Please don't. Please don't. I won't. That's the one time I'll do it. Uh, how was the end of your school year? Good end of your school year? It was 
it, it's over. It's over. Yeah, good. <laughs> it's over. Done. It's, it's done. Move on. Yeah. So this past week was Are you in person next year? Yes. Yeah. So okay. we will be face-to-face in some manner in the fall. Okay. So this whole year was totally virtual. So I just sat basically in the room wow. that I am now yeah. um, talking in <laughs> Zoom. So I feel very natural, Dan. This is, uh, this is my it's just the water like that I times. swim in. It's- not a problem at all. That's awesome. Now, Paul, you know that when I have a returning guest on Lost in Lists, uh, the first thing I want to know is what is new or happening or something that's changed since the first time you were on? Okay, I, so. I, I wish that I can remember the last dates uh, that, that we uh, had you on. But uh, what, what's what's changed? What's new in your life? Um, well, um, yeah, school's over. So finals was last week. So I have a Fantastic. few uh, loose ends to tie up, but I'm mostly done with that. And we got a new dog, and so that's very exciting. So yeah, what kind of dog? Uh, What's her she name? Is, name? She is. She yep. is a, a Swiss mountain dog named Morocco, and oh my so we we just got her actually last week, and so she's transitioning to the mm-hmm. you know Thomas Casa and figuring things out <laughs> and with our children and how how she fits in our, with our pack, but she's she's doing pretty good. So. Good, good. Now, Paul showed me the dog, and it, this dog is adorable and large. And, uh, and large, big, big puppy. You might need to send me a picture of her at some point, and that way we can put it on the website if you want that to happen. But she is adorable and cute, and we, we support dogs on this podcast. We support puppies. That's good. That's good. Not puppy mills, but puppies. <laughs> get the distinction that's right uh paul additionally we and by we i mean me will give the guest a a a random top three to top five topic uh something related to our topic today um and actually paul why did you say what our topic is today go ahead and do that before i get into my random list okay uh so today we are talking i guess this is the second segment of our of our oh yeah you know how many numbered series? Because uh, uh, we can go backwards. That's too. right. We can, we can go forward or backwards. But this is the second installment of looking at movies, or sorry, music from movies. And this time we're looking at the decade mm-hmm. of the 1990s. Ooh. That's right. That's our decade. I'll get into uh, it is our decade, yeah. and I will get into that in just a little bit when we talk about how we formulated our lists. But, Paul, we are like we are children of the 90s. And I remember one time I was teaching students, and I said to the students uh, – a topic or a conversation came up, and I said, um, if you could have grown up in any decade, what, what decade would you have wanted to grow up in? And one of the girls said the 1990s, and I said – Ew, why? I grew up in the 1990s. And she said, but it was all about technology. All of a sudden you had nothing and then you had this and then this came out and this came out. And then I was like, okay, that's actually a really cool idea if I think about it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. from 1990 to 2000, here's how technology increased. Because I always thought to myself, like, I wanted to be in the 50s. I wanted to be in this, like, this time where, like, everything was happy and pleasant. And, I mean, (laughs) of course not. But, like, in my brain I thought to myself, like, everything was Leave it to Beaver and the Brady Bunch. Um, So with that being said, I, I, I... now I have a little bit more fondness for the time that I in which I grew up. So, Paul, what were your top three to five TV shows that you could not miss in the 1990s? What was on TV that that you you just as as uh, I mean, see, 1990 would have been like fourth grade for us okay. from fourth grade to like senior year could not miss television shows. How was that for a question? Was that a good uh, that, question? That's a good question. That's a good question. OK, okay. Um, I'll have to go with. Seinfeld that would I don't and again oh. this is not in this is not necessarily that was ahead of your time yeah this is um, I don't know if this would be the number one but this is one I thought about and I've actually been rewatching okay. some episodes on Hulu recently oh, but good. I remember uh, we'd, we'd have church choir practice on Thursday nights and <laughs> <laughs> I love where this is going <laughs> yeah and because Thursday night was like musty TV right mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I always hope for the choir rehearsal to end before so i could get home by nine o'clock i think i think because seinfeld was okay, on at yeah. nine because that was yeah. eastern time zone um, yes nine o'clock to get to catch seinfeld because the thing with seinfeld if you catch it like halfway in you have no idea what's going on you're like because mm-hmm. it's such a self-contained little box each episode mm-hmm. so i guess seinfeld would be one um oh. and students and stu- i don't know why i said students and people remember <laughs> There was something called reruns that maybe you might catch that show or right. else it disappeared forever and you would never see it unless you got lucky in syndication. Okay, mm-hmm. so Seinfeld was one of them. Yeah, Seinfeld. Um, let's see. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Monday Night Football. 
Oh, really? Yes. Take it. We'll take it. Yeah, Monday Night Football. I love, like, again, I'd have... Wait, were you a Browns fan? Um, Yes, until they left in 1994. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> like, our, our team literally left. Like, yeah, left the city. Um, so, yeah, Monday Night Football, because that was another time where I'd be having to go out to rehearsal with my parents. My parents were musicians, choir directors, yeah. so we'd have Monday Night Rehearsals and which rushing back to try to catch, you know, the Monday Night Football. And they had such a great theme song. You know, yeah. the bum, 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 yes. do, don't, yes. don't. They still use it, right? Um, I, well, usually with like a country singer at some other yeah, point. Something. Yeah, they got, they, uh, yeah. The, 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 the we get it, Carrie gotten, Underwood. You like football. Great. That's right. They've gotten more fe- feminine and attractive. Think, think from the 90s. <laughs> then the guy with the cowboy hat and the mustache. That's oh, right. Okay. That's right. Different clientele. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, man. Now it's, now it's getting hard. Okay. Oh, really? Oh, uh, Saved by the Bell. Saved oh, by God, the bell. Thank you. Saturday Needed morning. That to happen. Yes. Yep. Yes. Awesome. See, for me, I was going to go the direction of TGI Friday and anything that was on Friday night. It didn't matter what it was because mm-hmm. for some reason, and I didn't realize this until I was older, but Friday night is is the night where networks would go to dump their shows because because nobody's watching TV on Friday night. And ABC hit it with yep. our demographic when they were like, wait a minute, we can get like kids watching Awful, yes. awful sitcoms on Friday night. And we watched. That's probably the, the last, I guess if I had to round out to five, it would probably be some combination of, let's see, what was it? Family Matters. Right. Full right. House. Um, Perfect Strangers Perfect is in there Strangers. somewhere. Um, what was the one where <laughs> those, the two families, they were got step by step. Step by step. Yeah, the roller coaster themes. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was so legit. That, that opening sequence where they're going down the roller coaster. But you're going to love this. Hold on a second. So what's funny about that is Step by Step was filmed in Port Washington, Wisconsin. Okay. Port Washington is probably about 45, 50 minutes away from me. We don't have that beach. We don't have that Ferris wheel. We don't have that roller coaster. That doesn't exist in Port Washington, Wisconsin. So it's kind of funny to me because it's like, nope, that's not our state. That's somewhere else. I mean, my state is beautiful, but it did not have that. The producers were just probably looking for the the most wholesome you know, heartland, middle, <laughs> middle America city they could think of, right? Like, let's put Patrick Shh. Duffy there. <laughs> and Suzanne Summers. Let's put Suzanne Summers there. <laughs> oh, man, you impressed me by knowing Patrick Duffy. Um, wait a minute, Middletown. Wait, were you Middletown? <laughs> Mid- Middlefield. Oh, middle t- it was more rural. that's that's wholesome right there middlefield cheese house Mm -hmm. okay paul what is your top five three to five that you have okay so mine isn't related to music but is related to tv and so oh god so you still have a young son correct i do i do yeah excellent excellent (laughs) this conversation would go downhill fast if (laughs) you answer differently (laughs) (laughs) all right all right so got past that hurdle So my question for you is your top three to five most annoying children's TV show characters. Oh, that's so funny. Okay, can I tell you something? So we have not really given him a ton of like TV time to watch. Uh-huh. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So like we're like still holding out on that pretty well, which maybe we're just going to get to point where we break down and we're like, okay, put this in front of the screen. Um, but this is what I'm thinking of right away as you say that. So NPR and Pop Culture Pop Culture Happy Hour, another podcast that I love, did their favorite Muppets episode, and they and they ranked like the top ten, or they got people to write in about the top ten Muppets, and and thankfully this character did not make the top ten, but just in general, Elmo is one of the worst creatures furry monster creatures on the face of this planet. He has destroyed Sesame Street. He has taken it from one thing and made it something completely else. And I, I am bitter towards the generation of kids that are in love with Elmo and think that that, that is what Sesame Street is yeah. all about. So without a doubt, most annoying number one is definitely going to be um, Elmo. It's a good choice. In general. Yeah, it is a good choice. Thank you. I think um, <laughs> then when I think about like some other characters um, – See, I can think of like other characters from maybe like my time or right after Go my time. It. Like obviously Barney stands mm-hmm. out as something that was absolutely horrendously annoying. Um also annoying like I don't know if there's 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 too too much. I, I'm gonna tell you this though, and this is going to get me some hate mail when I say this right now. You get hate mail there from some nineties. Nobody, <laughs> nobody writes me. I say my email address at the end of every episode, nobody writes me. But like 
I just was watching a uh, – uh, oh, my gosh. I need to probably pay attention to my family more. I was just watching an, uh, a Hulu documentary about the early days of Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. And uh, people people loved Ren and Stimpy. Didn't get into it. Did mm-hmm. not think that it was interesting. Did not care about Ren and Stimpy at all. So, like, I'm going to put that in there. Um I was not allowed to watch Beavis and Butthead, but I never understood why Beavis and Butthead was was hilarious. Like for me, like e- even as a kid, I was like, I don't think this is funny. I don't get it at all. Um, so I don't. I'm making some confessions about some pretty popular things that people loved that I did not love. Well, you're so wholesome, you know, and that's the thing. <laughs> like those aren't wholesome things. And I didn't have cable growing up in Middle Field, so middle I didn't field. even get a chance to watch Nickelodeon. I thought that was a thing you paid a nickel to go like watch a little black yeah, and white TV right? show. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I will tell you this, that the little experience that I've had with SpongeBob is, <laughs> is enough for me to want to gouge my eardrums out. Um, <laughs> although I will tell you this side note, they did make a SpongeBob pants, SpongeBob SquarePants musical, like an actual Broadway show. Paul, look it up. It was nominated for Tony Awards. And oh. like legitimately, there's some good creative stuff in there. So like maybe I might think that's interesting. But um yeah, no, I don't know. Does that does that fulfill a list? That's good. I think that that's very good. And I, I'm impressed. Nice. You and Lori doing okay. a good job, you know, uh sheltering yeah. him and keeping him from, you know, becoming hooked on to uh the screen. And I and I will tell you that there are plenty of toys that I'm ready to incinerate <laughs> that I can't handle, or I'll just start like singing the song uh-huh. that the toy plays, yeah. and I'm like, oh, there's this, mm-hmm. there's this happening. In I my still brain. haven't lodged my brain. Like our girls are out of that phase, but still, you know, it'll, it'll Something trigger. Will pop back up. Pop, yeah, it'll yep. pop back in. <laughs> I love it. All right, so we're talking about '90s. Like songs from 90s movies. That's what we're talking about today. Paul, how did you go putting together this list today? Because I'm going to tell you, this list was harder for me than the 80s list This was. one was harder for me, too. Um, again, because like the 80s was, it was, it was, it wasn't, I didn't, I obviously didn't remember probably any, anything before 1985. <laughs> sure, it's more removed. Yeah. It's, more, it's more removed. Yeah, and so like this is really in the, the, the heart of, uh, kind of our memories, and in fact, there is <laughs> there is a name for this period in our life. All right, I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna drop some more. knowledge on you. So this is okay, called the reminiscence bulge. That's B U L G E bulge. That's right. That's not a joke. The reminiscence bulge. Do I have to hit explicit right now? <laughs> I am so sorry. This is, this no, is gonna be explicit rating. <laughs> okay, what is this? Tell me. Okay, more, so basically, um, people did have done research on. Looking at uh, talking to people who are, you know, in their 50s, 60s, 70s about um, things they remember, things that they're nostalgic Mm -hmm. for, things they reminisce about. And they found that the period between when you are 12 to 22 is where most of those memories are from. And so as you get older, um, you you kind of those are those memories that you hold on to the most and you look back on as fondly. So, you know, 12 to 22, that's like, you know, the 90s were kind of right in the middle of that for us. And yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's fascinating. So there's a lot of connections to you know okay. friends and you know car rides, riding on buses, hearing these songs on the yep. radio, um, yep. seeing these, actually seeing these movies. Because of course, I wasn't watching Dirty Dancing when I was like eight. <laughs> <laughs> but you should have. Yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. I do forget that you actually recently watched it for the first time right before our, our first podcast. I, I, I did. I, I'm, that was, I'm not going to not gonna lie. I did have to watch a couple of 80s movies that I had never seen. That's amazing. <laughs> um, now, when I look at my list, I'm going to tell you that one, two, three of my five lists are more from the music video on MTV that I was mm-hmm. not allowed to watch. Shh are more from from listening and watching that than maybe hearing it on the radio or even necessarily connecting it to a movie. Mm-hmm. But when I think about the song itself and it is connected to a movie, I'm like, okay, it has to make my top five list. So um, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Are you playing music for us today? Do you have your piano? Uh, yeah, I do have my keyboard. Yeah, and Ooh, so I'm curious to know if you're going to do anything with that. Um, I will let you. I will let you go. Okay, we, I might have. I might play something. Later. We might might okay. try it. I'm on pins and needles. All right. So start us off with your list today. What is your number five 1990s movie song? Okay. Again, the disclaimer is this could change, you know, <laughs> after right dinner tonight, it could move around. And so, okay. you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not dying on any of these hills. Maybe the last okay. one perhaps, but. Oh, um, good. Okay. But uh, the first one I went with the circle of life 
from <laughs> The Lion King. And so, and for you young listeners who are like, that's from 2019. No, it's not. It's from no, 1994. It's you idiot. All right. Go get some culture. Actually, it's from, it's from Hamlet in the 1500s and 1600s, actually. That's right. Basically, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So Circle of Life, Lion King. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because that was, I, I, as I was thinking about these the night, you know, that's right in the middle of the, the Disney Renaissance, right? Yes, Where you have yes. all these Disney just coming out with blockbuster after blockbuster and these great movies that also have these great soundtracks. You know, mm-hmm. Little Mermaid, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Celine Dion, and Peebo Bryson. <laughs> I mean, Beauty come on. Yeah. Peebo. I love Peebo. 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 <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay. um, keep going. Sorry. And so I was like, I, I, I feel like I have to have something in there. And The Lion King was just kind of the the pinnacle of that whole period. You know, you think about the movies leading up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tim Rice writing lyrics, Elton John, mm-hmm. you know, coming in and, and writing the music for that. Um, and just the way that movie or that song happens in the movie too. It's just that first thing you hear with the sunset, the sunrise, mm-hmm. right? And you hear the, the Zulu singers in the background. Um, it's just, um, and it's, it's not just about, you know, a poor provincial town, you know, with Belle or, you know, like a little, you know, a kind of a, a jerk king who has a curse. Like, this is about the circle of life. Like, this is yeah, about yeah. everything, right? It's big. Right. It's big. It's epic. And during that song, you get the whole, you know, the scene of all the animals. You get to meet Simba and you see him get the thing on his forehead with the monkey and all of that. Mm-hmm. You kind of, I love how that shows you basically kind of what the movie is about. Um, during that, and it's all you know, just during the song, and it's just it's just epic from the smallest ant to the the elephant, yeah. you know, and so, and it's all very fatalistic as well if you kind of think about it. So. <laughs> and then we die. Right. I'm going to tell you that I remember watching um, the preview for that. I remember watching and, and kind of being blown away at, at what I was looking at, mm-hmm. even you know, as like a sixth, seventh grader, whatever that was, and uh, uh, like not understanding it at that point, but but definitely thinking that that looked really, really cool. And mm-hmm. it is a very, very rousing song. Interesting that you went with that and not some of the other songs from The Lion King. You know what I mean? Like, I think of, like, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, which won the Academy Award right. for Best uh, uh, Song that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm going to side with you on this one. I'm I'm a... I'm more of a fan of, of Circle of Life as well. I think. Yeah, I, I thought about I thought about that one, but it's kind of just like another like love ballad. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's just mm-hmm. you know a song that you know rather than two humans singing it to each other, two lions are singing it to each other. Uh, <laughs> For sure, as as they <laughs> as do. they are wont to do, uh, <laughs> the lion mating rituals. Um, but yeah, I thought this was. It, you know, can you feel the love tonight? Could have could have happened in any movie almost. You know, you mm-hmm. change the orchestration mm-hmm. a little bit. But the circle of life, it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, if you don't have that opening with the, whatever they're singing there, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not going to have that same effect. And so it just really yeah. kind of creates that scene really well. And I think it has a great modulation. And so I think almost all of my songs modulate. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so that means change Tell me keys. what that means. So that means, <laughs> so that means that they start in one key. So they start, oh. let's see. They start in B flat, right? And so uh-huh. they go here. I don't know. Can you hear my keyboard at all? Play for a second. Can you hear that? Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. so we start here. Circle life. Oh, yeah. And then it goes to here. And then it goes. And then it goes up to here. It's like, whoa. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. And so we go from B flat, which is here. That's our home. And then. We go three steps up to D flat. So we go mm-hmm. quite a, which is pretty far away to go as far as music goes. Um, but that oh, also okay. is when, like at the very end, right? So when, you know, he holds them up and the animals go crazy, you get that key change right there. And yeah. So, I'm oh, that's so that. interesting. So. Look, this is interesting to me. Audience, I'm sorry. When Paul plays the piano and explains it, that is interesting <laughs> to me. I hope that you think it is as well. And if not, sorry. Please still give us five stars. All right. So my number five uh, is one that, Oh, gosh, like, look, it's 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 a good song. It has to be on this list. I don't know if I'll nef- necessarily would want to like, you know, 
listen to it frequently anymore. But um, and maybe that's why I did not actually have a clip pulled for it. But it is uh, My Heart Will Go On, <laughs> sung by Celine Dion from Titanic, off of the Let's Talk About Love album of 1997. Lyricist Will Jennings and composer James Horner. Now listen, we know mm-hmm. this song. We don't have to have a clip of this song played, okay? We can make fun of this song. Mm-hmm. But, like, this song was the song at the time mm-hmm. academy award for best song it won record of the year it won song of the year it hit number one on the u.s billboard charts and what was interesting is celine dion was like i don't know if i love this song i don't know if i'm committed to this song because speaking of Peebo, she i guess i, I Maybe I should probably do another uh, more research on this, but she wasn't necessarily on the bandwagon of let me be a woman that's going to sing songs for movies. Mm. You know, great success with Beauty and the Beast. I think that even won best song that year. And so I think that um, she was like, you know, I'm I'm fine not being always associated with movies. And then um, like I think it was the lyricist I'd have to go back. Will Jennings was like, well, you know. You're not going to get a song if you don't have Celine Dion, so I'm not going to do it. So, like, I think that there was, like, some sort of, like, bargaining tool that was going on there when it came to that song. Um, But listen, we all know it. It's one of the biggest – part of the – one of the biggest movies of all time. It has to be on this list of the top five songs from the 1990s because when you think of movies and you think of 90s, if Titanic is not on your brain, I don't know what you're thinking. I I fully agree. I fully agree with that assessment. I mean, Mm -hmm. can you think of another song that has a Penny Whistle solo in it? Really? (laughs) Can you? <laughs> Can I tell you? I don't. This is really. I, now I have to go off another tangent. Tangent, John. So I. So the Wisconsin State Fair is is a blast. I absolutely love it. And uh, there is always, 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 always this one booth, and it's 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 these these men from Asia, and they have their own music that they put out, and they and they have like. I, I don't know if it's like a, a whistle. It's some sort of instrument that like just sounds like a high piccolo, but it's not a piccolo. Mm-hmm. It's like. They're blowing into I don't I have no idea what it is. All that to say that inevitably my heart will go on is always playing either when I'm passing it because that's the song that they play. So now I also have that associated as well. Um, sound like an idiot. Okay, keep this train going. What's your number four? Okay, my my number four is all right. So this one this one kind of goes along with what you're saying with um, a song that. It's just a good song. It's just I like it. Okay. And it's from okay. a movie and it was but it was just kind of big. And this was this is Love Fool by the Cardigans. <laughs> so this is from the uh Swedish rock so band. Much. I love this song, Dan. I'm gonna tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> Please tell me. <laughs> So, go for if, it. If uh, you aren't familiar with the Cardigans, this was a, a <laughs> other than you know. And why are you not? Why are you not? Right? They're from Sweden, and this mm-hmm. was kind of their. They had had some success, but in '97 they released this album that had the song "Love Fool" "Love Fool" on it, mm-hmm. and it really didn't become popular until it came out with the Romeo and Juliet movie mm-hmm. from 1997 it was on that soundtrack with leonardo mm-hmm. dicaprio um uh claire danes was was juliet um has a, tons of like well-known actors and actresses in there oh, yeah and i remember just listening to this song in school on the school bus and be like this song is just cool <laughs> like it, it, it just has this like weird <laughs> spooky kind of disco mm-hmm. vibe it has this weird the the lyrics are weird um mm-hmm. because she's like like she's trying to like say that she misses this dude but it's kind of in a weird way and it sounds sort of menacing in a way okay interesting yeah because if if you can so if it starts with this hopefully you can hear this so it starts in kind of sounding in a minor so he has this mhm and then it goes into this the verse uh, right, yeah. and then huh? yeah, yeah, and it always has this kind of sound at the end, right? <laughs> That's a major seventh. It sounds so jazzy and spooky, it does. right? But the cool thing about it is it kind of feels weird, but then it modulates, it changes key. This is the word of the day. Okay, it modulates in the chorus. It goes. Oh. 
Now, can I say something to you real fast yeah. as you're playing this right now? Mm-hmm. Here's what's weird about this song to me, okay? If I think of Romeo and Juliet, I think of it as a tragedy. I think of it as a serious story. Mm-hmm. That sounds like something you're going to hear at the ballpark played by the organ. <laughs> like, I think that, like, I don't I don't think Romeo and Juliet when I hear that song. And, I, and maybe, like, I think to myself, um, maybe, I don't know, I've heard the song so much that it's like an earworm into my ear. Um I do like how you explain it on the keyboard, but I but when I think of like Romeo and Juliet, and I think of that song, and I'm like, how does this? How does the tone of that connect? I don't even know. <laughs> well, I think I think part of it is is dysfunctional, like, oh, right? Sure. I mean, because she's singing, so I cry and I fool beg me, for you to me. love me, love me, <laughs> leave me, leave me, but say that you need yeah. me. I can't care about anything but you, right? And Ju- Romeo and That's Juliet. That's the best dramatic interpretation that I've ever heard. <laughs> Well, I, w- I was a lifeline player for two years, Dan. <laughs> that training never goes away. It doesn't with you. <laughs> and, you know, Romeo and Juliet, highly dysfunctional relationship, right? For yeah. sure. And I think the interesting thing about this song is at the very end, um, at the end of the chorus, uh, she sings, you know, leave me, leave me, say that you need me, and then I can't care about anything but you. And up to that point, we're kind of in this kind of happy major sound. Yeah. Right? But then it goes... I can't care. Ooh. Oh, uh, and then this chord. Ooh, ooh you're right. But then you, you, ooh, right? It's yeah. like, yeah. you might kill me, right? <laughs> <laughs> so they changed the chords, right? Like it, That's great. It should have sounded like this. I can't care about anything but you, right? Oh, sure. But it does okay. This. But I it... can't care. Ooh, that's dark. And then, <laughs> oh, that's not a good chord. Okay. That is dark. Not, not a good chord, right? right? So you're like, yeah. This, this, she's, she's crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're selling me. You're selling me more and more than I think about this. You're absolutely selling me. But, you know, as, as a kid, you know, growing up, I liked jazz. I, I wasn't into pop mm-hmm. music a lot, but like anything that kind of sounded jazzy or kind of weird. Like harmonically, I was always like, mm-hmm. what is this all about? And so, yeah. So that's why that can had you, to make the list. Not that I'm asking you to do this right now. Can you play Love Fool on the accordion? Um, you know, I'd have to practice that up. I, I don't okay, think the okay. listeners know that I play the accordion. I don't know if that came up. In- oh, I would not brought that up yet. <laughs> Audience, Paul plays a mean accordion. We'll just leave it at yeah, that. He, that's he good. plays a mean accordion. That is so absolutely so funny. I actually talked about how much I love the Romeo and Juliet movie in, in one of the most recent episodes, and I, I'm surprised I didn't connect that to it, but. Oh, well, who knows? All right. So my number four is one from a movie that hits close to my heart in terms of what I wanted to do with my life. Additionally, it's a song that I only really know because it was on MTV so much during the time of uh, of of when the movie Dangerous Minds came out. So we're going to hear a little Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio. Look at the situation they got me facing. I can't live a normal life. I was raised by the state. So I got to be down with the hood team. Too much television watching got me chasing dreams. Okay, so Gangsta's Paradise, sung by Coolio, uh, lyricist, artist Ivy Jr., Larry Sanders, and Doug Rashid, Rashad, sorry, composer Stevie Wonder. Uh-huh. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, and then a little a little bit interesting, like number one selling single of 1995, Grammy for Best Solo Rap Performance. Um I think it hit number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. I have to double check that, but I think I read that correctly. Uh, I remember listening to the song and, and, you know, being a little white kid in, you know, the suburbs of Chicago. Definitely not familiar with what song I'm hearing, but boy, did it get stick, stuck in my mm-hmm. head. And boy, was it one that it was easy to like hear the lyrics to, and it kind of like it started getting ingrained in there. And then being like, Michelle Pfeiffer is such a good teacher. I mean, she sits backwards in chairs all the time. I could be a teacher that sits backwards in chairs, and I can really affect students, and I can be that change that they need. I can help their dangerous minds. Whatever. All that to say <laughs> that um, that song is. I love it. I really, really love that song a lot. Um, interesting enough, Weird Al Yankovic then did uh, Amish Paradise, and Coolio never said that he could actually 
make that that um that that parody. And so um, Weird Al has like apologized about it before and said that from here on out he would make sure that the artist that sung the song would also be okay with it as well, even though Coolio wasn't the one that wrote it. Um, so anyway, all that is to say is is Gangsta's Paradise number number four on my list. Uh, Paul, do you have an affin- uh, affinity for Gangsta's Paradise? I, I do. I remember I remember being in I, I maybe eighth grade. Or maybe ninth yeah, grade when yeah, that yeah. came out. I remember that. But of course, growing up in Middle Field, right. <laughs> Amish Paradise actually was the biggest deal, right? Was it well, really? I grew up in Amish country, so yeah. That's and right. so we're like, oh, gangsters paradise, right? And of course, like if you think you're out of place in suburb Chicago listening to that, imagine being, oh, you know, in the middle of a field listening to that and thinking, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm gangsta. And then, and then, of course, the Amish Paradise. I think I knew the lyrics to that song more than oh, sure, um, Gangsters Paradise. Oh, of course. Um, and that's another that's that's another one where, like, yeah, I don't think I ever saw that movie. Though I remember Michelle mm-hmm. Pfeiffer mm-hmm. turning around in her chair. Like, you wonder why they don't teach that more with with um, <laughs> in education training. Like, if you just turn your chair backwards, you can relate to all kinds of students. And wear a leather jacket. That's right. Listen, go back and watch the beginning of that music video and you will laugh <laughs> really, really hard. Michelle Pfeiffer is really trying to lean into it and being like really dramatic in this. And you're like, oh, it's not coming off. No. Okay. But I think that's, that's a great my choice. Number, that's a great choice. That's my number four for sure. What's your number three? All right. So, um, John, you have this one. So I'd like you to play my first one for me. Oh. That is a song. That is a song. That got released. Yes. Yes. Oh, then you're gonna have to educate me. So, so of course, (laughs) that's hilarious. (laughs) That is the opening song from Austin Powers, "The Spy Who Shagged Me," which I don't even have the date here. I feel. Sorry, I keep on making this explicit, Dan. I am so sorry. Wait, can I ask you? That's hilarious. Wait, was it from? Okay, now now I need to have my records checked. Is it part of every movie? Like, was it part of International Man of Mystery or just the Spy? Oh wait, I'm sorry. Wait, which was the first one? International International. Sorry, Man it was from Man the International Mystery. Man of Mystery. And then Goldmember was number three. <laughs> of course, of course. How, how could we're just putting the E out there, folks? <laughs> That's right. I mean, I I I, I trust your under, knowledge of the Austin Powers <laughs> universe. But it's that franchise. It's that franchise. That's right. So okay, talk talk. Okay, more. so this was actually a piece composed in 1962. Sure. I mean, it makes yes. sense. Yes, I believe on. it was. Um, yeah, 1962. Let me make sure. Okay, and it was composed by Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones, oh. of course, famous um, yeah. producer of Michael Jackson's big hits from the 80s. Most famous now for probably being the father of Rashida Jones. <laughs> Yes. Of Parks yes. and Rec fame. Love, 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 love. Um, But yeah, so he was, you know, a, a really big deal as far as, you know, working with a lot of big bands, a lot of um, writing his own music. And so he, this was from an album um, called Big Band Bossa Nova from Mercury Records oh. from 1962. No way. Yes. And so, um, and it says apparently, according to Wikipedia, it took him 20 minutes to compose the piece. All right. Oh, come on now, Quincy. I know. Come on. That's impressive. <laughs> And so I just picked it because it is it's such an iconic sound and oh. you hear that just that ba-ba-da-ba-da, you like immediately know what that is <laughs> and it just it just kind of captures I, I thought about a couple I thought about another song from a different Mike Myers movie as make to to make the list you know you might know okay, what I'm talking okay. about I think I've got um, a pretty good idea. But I was like, oh, that song has kind of had its own kind of history and life yeah. of its own, right? But this yeah, song yeah, yeah. is like no one would know. And though it has actually been used for a number of other um, TV shows, uh, most f- my favorite one is it has appeared as the title theme in the Germany, German comedy show Was Gut's Du, <laughs> which, translates, never miss an episode. which translates as What Are You Looking At? It's a German sketch comedy show that ran from twenty or two thousand one to two thousand five. <laughs> so I mean, Quincy Jones—he's re- making royalties <laughs> off this like crazy. I really want to know what the premise of that comedy show was all about. Was it improv? I don't know, but I really I don't want know. to be on what. What are you looking at? <laughs> Especially when you say it in German, like "Was gut's du," you know. So yeah, that—that's. 
awesome. Okay, but what is the actual title of that song? It's called, called uh, Soul Bossa Nova. Soul yeah. Bossa Nova. And this was in the, in the 60s, so during that time was when the Bossa Nova, which is a, a yeah. song style kind of from South America, Brazil, started to become very uh-huh. popular um, in, in the U.S. And so you have like songs like Girl mm. from Ipanema and those, those types yeah. of songs kind of coming during this time of the 60s, which also is when you know, Austin Powers you know, is, is allegedly from. Um, yeah. But I just love it, and it's just so ridiculous. It's fun. And it's fun. And when I think about you know, the 90s, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it was just ridiculous and fun. Sure, we had grunge. Sure, you know, Kurt Cobain mm-hmm. died. You know, bad things happened. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. like thinking about now these days, like, man, the 90s were a good time. <laughs> I'll tell you, you go to those early 90s, and you've got all that grunge. And then I feel like when the Spice Girls came to the scene in 1995, <laughs> everything changed for the rest of that decade. It's like, oh, now we went, shifted that pendulum. The pendulum swung so strong right. to the other side. We just got so, like, nihilistic and, like, everything sucks to be like, well, let's just have a good time then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, I probably fit better into the late 90s than I do the early 90s, let's be honest. What a fun number three. I like That's it. number three. What's your number okay. three? My number three is interesting because here's the thing. I actually did not care for the movie of of this number three. But I remember watching this music video, kind of like Angst's Paradise, but I remember watching this music video and thinking that it's so simple, but it captivated me so much. And the woman that was on the screen was as awful as this sounds. Not the stereotypical woman that you're going to see on the screen on on a music video. My number three, I think you know the song, is Stay by Lisa Lowe. You said that I was naive Do you know this song? Yes. I okay. Do. I had sisters. <laughs> oh, that's... Here's the thing. I had sisters. I hate you. Here's the funny thing. This is from the movie Reality Bites, which I think is is is, is before my time. You know, 1994. I'm only in seventh grade. I don't know what it's like to be a young adult, obviously. But the music video is literally Lisa Loeb standing there singing the song, walking around her apartment as the director, fun fact, Ethan Hawke, is filming... Her walking and singing, and she turns to the camera, and she turns away from the camera. I was mesmerized by this video. I don't know why. I thought it was so interesting that they were going to put a video on TV that did that. Number two was Lisa Loeb is not your stereotypical you know, person that you're going to see in a music video on MTV. Uh, I, I, she is beautiful in a, in a, in a non-conventional, non-traditional way. If I'm allowed to say that, maybe I'm not, I don't know. But all that to say that, that I remember being captivated by her. Um, I've seen her in like different TV shows and things like that. Like even now, and she's still singing and she's still a fantastic performer. Um, but it became one of those songs that I listened to so much that I didn't realize I knew every word to. And so I, I could probably to this day very nearly recite every word to that song, not because I owned anything by Lisa Lope, but because I listened to that song so stinking much and I liked it so much. Um, It was number one on the Billboard Hot 100. And this is interesting. She was the first artist to top the U.S. charts before being signed to any record label. Hmm. And I was like, oh, way to go, Lisa Lope. Yeah. Get to the top of the charts and not, you know, and do it on your own. That's pretty fantastic. Um, I love that song. I love that song. I have an older sister. She didn't listen to it. I just, you know, I just care. You're just wholesome. (laughs) All right. I'm just wholesome. Again, this is how Dan is wholesome. (laughs) I think that's a great choice. I, that's a really good song. In fact, I mean, I wear Lisa Loeb glasses basically, right? (laughs) Nice tortoiseshell glasses you got, Paul. (laughs) I mean, when she was like, you know, the, the, the yep. dark rimmed glasses in like mm-hmm. a, you know, non-ironic way, but also kind of right in like, she's kind of non-traditionally attractive in a way, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and, and she was kind of just kind of on the edge of all these other kind of women kind of singer songwriters that are coming out in this very acoustic style. Right. Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's really just like her and her guitar pretty much for most of mm-hmm. that song. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very singer songwriting. She's it's, it doesn't really have like 
a clear like rhyme scheme or it's just kind of like right, almost no. extreme of consciousness, right? Yes. Yeah. Which kind of makes it kind of feel I, real. I think it fit under the folk title mm, at some point. Like yeah. I think I was reading something they called it folk and I was like, oh, okay, I, can, yeah. I guess I can kind of see that. But yeah, no, no, exactly. Like I like what you said there about stream of consciousness. She's just talking. Yeah. She essentially mm-hmm. really is just talking about you please stay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why it's so effective because it's, it's, it's not like, this is not meaning to be pejorative, but like, it's not like well composed. It's not like something that's mm-hmm. been edited. It's almost like she's just kind of yeah. coming from the heart and this yeah. is how she feels. And so, yeah, she kind of comes. And I'm here for it. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a good choice. That's a really good choice. I am, I am here for that. <laughs> what is your number two? My number two. I'm a little embarrassed to say it after, you know, Lisa Loeb, you know, wonderful <laughs> singer, songwriter, artist. It's my heart will go on. I mean, come on. Yo, good. It's there. It had to be there. I was waiting for it at some point. It come on. To. It had to be on the list. You know, <laughs> I was, you know, because I'm the kid who was listening to musicals and, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, Same and, here. Same here. and all these things. And my heart will go on has all the beats that you would, you know, that you would find in like a, just this classic, you know, uh, bring the house down song. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, I don't even know what else to say other than penny whistle, but I remember it playing on the, <laughs> the, the radio and uh-huh. we were r- riding the car, listening to whatever, whatever hot one Oh one or whatever. And with friends and, and then all of a sudden, doo, 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 like it comes in and everyone just like shuts up and like, <laughs> we, we, no one talks for the whole time. Like everyone's just like uh-huh. captivated by the song. And of course this has another modulation. So it goes oh, up okay. three explain, steps. Explain. So again, so we start, um, let's see, do I have this written down? Um, so I think it starts in uh, E, right? Um, so, oh yeah, that's right. Far where. I like how you're like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds right. Yes, E, Paul. Correct. I knew it was E all along. I, I know that I count on your, you to check, check, check my keys. <laughs> That's the key. I'm here. I'm here to support your knowledge of Austin Powers and correct composure, composition, not composure. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, so it starts in year four, wherever you are, right? So it starts here, and then and then it goes. Um, And oh. then, and then, and then it goes to, uh, where does it go to? Um, oh, no, it doesn't go there. Where did it go to? Oh, that can't be it. Uh, there we go. It goes up here. Uh-huh. You can edit that out, John. Um, anyways, it goes <laughs> Fix it, John. up from B to D flat, which is again, another, um, a step up. So that again, okay. creates this kind of lift and excitement on that last time through the chorus. And it's just, I don't know. It was just took over like, it was mm-hmm. that whole year. 97 was the year of the Titanic. Like you couldn't get away mm-hmm. from it. It's kind of hard to even say, I, I can't think of a modern kind of pop cultural um, event these days, like the Titanic. Cause there's yeah. just, you couldn't get away from it. It was on the radio, it was on TV. You know, the movie was selling out. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just huge and classic James Horner song. And so what a, what a, what a career he had. He composed music yeah. for my heart will go on aliens, uh, avatar American tale. So of course, you know, somewhere out there, uh, he I wrote that song. Oh, five. That's fantastic. So I just did a little bit of a search here while you were talking, uh, according to the AFI top 100, uh, songs list it is number 14. So, that's pretty stinking yeah, high when it comes high. down to it. Yeah, so. um, and I don't, I'm pretty sure Gangsta's Paradise is not on that list. But um, <laughs> I like hearing you say is, Gangsta's Paradise. I know, because you have to say it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say Gangsta's Paradise. Um, oh, I'm glad that made your list. I wondered if it was going to make your list. I had to. And Paul, do you, do you ever think about if you want a small wedding or a big wedding? <laughs> Shut up, Dan. <laughs> okay. Stay on the oh, road, Dan. not going to get that. Stay on the road, Dan. Stay on the list. Paul, you're my lady and I'm your man. Okay. Um, number two, there's only five people yeah, in the world gonna that's going to understand that like, inside joke. <laughs> so I apologize right now. <laughs> anyway, we're moving on. Audience, you don't understand unless your names are Janelle, Josh, Laura, Paul, or Dan, uh, or Kara. Let's move on. Um, my number two is a song that I'll tell you, 
when it came out, I was kind of a, a hater of this song. Um, only because, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, that if my brother ever, li- ever liked anything, I didn't necessarily really liked it, really like it. And then over time, as years have gone on, I've, I've thought to myself, oh man, this is a song that just slaps. I like it. It's good. The lyrics are nonsense. The, 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 the artist himself even said, I'm never going to explain the lyrics because I firmly believe that Seal does not know what Kiss from a Rose <laughs> is actually about. John, play that. I've been kissed by a rose on the grave. I've been kissed by a rose on the grave. And if I should kiss by a rose on the grave, I've been kissed by a rose. Here's a fun fact, Paul. Kiss from a Rose, Sealed as the songwriter. Mm-hmm. It originally, originally, is it your number one? It is not my number one. It was. Okay, okay, good, good, good. But I, but I do love this song. I do love this okay. song. Okay. Originally was for a movie called The Never Ending Story 3. Whoa. I didn't know that there was a third Never Ending Story. Me I knew that there was two, and that was trash, but I didn't know that there was a third. Um, but it was originally written for that, and then it was uh, uh, released again for for Batman Forever. Mm-hmm. Um, subpar Batman movie, but this is the best thing that came out of that movie by far, if, if, if you look at that. Val Kilmer, worst Batman mm-hmm. ever. Anyway, or maybe George Clooney. I don't know. Anyway, um, the song itself, I remember the music video being really cool to see because it had clips from the movie and Steel's all-powerful and there's the bat signal. Um one record of the year, one song of the year, one best pale male pop vocal performance, number one U.S. Billboard Hot 100. I mean, Seal just absolutely swept all of these awards and definitely got some big acclaim from this song. Um, it is a weird song. Go back and look at the lyrics. You have no idea what they're talking about. But boy, there's that one section that John just played where it's like acapella and they're I, you can explain it better than I can explain it. But I remember it gives me goosebumps every single time that I listen to it. Um, it's a good song. Kiss from a Rose by Seal. That is a great song. I that almost made the list. I, I, did it? it? It almost did. It was it was just that I. Uh, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't place it from the movie, to be honest. I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, oh, that's right. It was like the, from the end, like of the, maybe the, uh-huh. the, the credits or something like that. Um, and again, I didn't have, I didn't have MTV, didn't have cable, so I couldn't watch the, yep, the yep. videos, but I remember, I do remember listening to this in, on the school bus. And again, like nice. kiss from a rose on the grave. I think that's what yeah. I thought it was for the long, it's kiss on the road on the gray. That's even more ambiguous. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. What? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, and you know when it we don't know snows, what's going on. my eyes become large, and the light that you shine can be seen. What is he on? Like a heroin, like a bender or something? He like has that? to be, but he's getting Grammys awards for it. So good for him. <laughs> oh wait, oh yeah. So love remained a drug. That's that's the high and not the pill. What does that even what? mean? I don't know. <laughs> But let's listen to it again. Like I just, I love I it. Well, it has this kind of it's cool, so like almost like magical feel. Like has this kind of. I'm trying to remember uh-huh. it. Like it has this like weird like acoustic guitar instrument, and it has this kind of lilting mm-hmm. feel to it, which is very different mm-hmm. than what you would normally hear like on the radio. Um, and yeah, that acapella section. I think you're talking about where there. He's, That's what I played. Oh, yep. Yes, I mean that is that is just an epic part because it's all the instruments drop out, and it's just like all these mm-hmm. seals. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a pod of seals or a? a herd? I don't know. Oh, here's your choices: a colony, a rookery, a rookery, Ooh. a herd, a harem oh. is one of them. But perhaps our favorite is a bob of seals. There's a lot of collective nouns for seals. Wow. I, I'm only gonna say a harem of seals from now on. I mean, when that harem section breaks out, I mean, it's it's great. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. We have reached the top of our list. I'm going to say something, Paul. Um, I am going to guess that we have the same number one. If we don't have the same number one, I'm going to – listen, I think we have the same number one. I'm just going to leave mean, it at that. I, I hope so. I'm going to lose some respect I for hope you so too. if you don't have oh. this as your number oh, one. Oh, shoot. Now I'm scared. Okay. What's your number one? All right. Can I play a little bit of it, John? Of course All you right, can. Here we go. This is in the middle of it. But I think you'll recognize it. That's my number one! Yes! Yes! And I hope 
you have all you dreamed of and I wish you joy and happiness but above all this I wish you <laughs> I was just saying, we have to have this as number one. Oh man, you, we are not. You can't. Like, we're this, way off. This is the song, like 1992. It's so, good. it's so good. And I, you know, it's one of those other ones where like it was everywhere, and mm-hmm. um, and I don't. The title. Go ahead and say the title. Oh, yes, that's right. Sorry. And it's called <laughs> "I Will Always Love You," written mm-hmm. actually by Dolly Parton. Um, love it. Written in 1973 is from her album Jolene. Uh, Apparently, mm-hmm. she wrote this song and the song Jolene in the same afternoon. So whenever you... That blows, really? That blows my mind. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. But uh, that's amazing. Yeah. So whenever you think you're being, uh, you know, you're doing well in life and you're accomplishing things, just think about Dolly Parton. One afternoon, let me just write like two killer songs. Um, but um, yeah, and it's... it's um, I went back and listened to the Dolly Parton one because I didn't know anything. I had never heard that one. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of this kind of kind of kind of sappy you know country country song mm-hmm. uh, but then it was then re-recorded of course by Whitney Houston for the bodyguard soundtrack which she starred with uh well, Kevin Costner that's right mm-hmm. and fun fact the bodyguard was Lori Kanapasik's first R-rated movie that she ever watched <laughs> it's my favorite thing ever about oh, this that's great I don't I love that's it. one where I don't think I saw the movie until like years afterwards mm-hmm. um because your parents were good parents. parents. Were good. But we had the soundtrack <laughs> growing up. And we would yep. listen to that soundtrack like all the time. And I, and, mm-hmm. um, it's actually pretty good. Like there yeah. are some great songs on there. And she sings like the first five songs. But of course, this is, this is the one. And um, going back and listening to it, it's just, it's all about her voice. Like the first mm-hmm. part is just her singing by herself. Like she sings the whole verse, mm-hmm. acapella, no background. Mm-hmm. Like I can't think of another song that goes that long without like yeah. any kind of supporting instruments or anything like it's just, she's just singing that and you cannot stop listening to it. And then on the chorus, you know, and I'll always, that's when it comes in. Right. And then mm-hmm. of course it has another key change. Right. Yes. Right? And so it has this epic, this is the thing that I played with for John, the, where it has the big kick drum and boom. And then the new key change, which is called an abrupt yep. Yep. key change. Cause it's just like out of nowhere. Um, and also her vocal range, like it's insane. Like she sings from a low A, um, which is right below middle C on the piano. This A right here. Okay. And then the highest note she sings is high F sharp. That's insane. It's like an octave. It's almost like two octaves on a, on a keyboard. Frame of reference, Celine only goes from a low B to a high E flat. She she has oh. a big range in that song from um, My Heart Will Go On, but it's not as wide as this range mm-hmm. uh, that Whitney Houston has. It's just an incredible voice, incredible song. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it has to be, the, has to be the top. It has to be the top. It has to be the top. And right I, before when she, when she says the, 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 the line, uh, and I'm wishing you yes. joy and happiness. Like it's, it's, she, I don't know what she's doing. You can explain it better than she, but better than I can. But then you, you get that drop mm-hmm. and it's instant goosebumps. And then she belts it and you're like, Oh, Whitney, yes. And amazing. then the music video, she like has her eyes closed. And then we yes, hit that kick, that kick drum. She like opens her eyes and then she's in a new key. Right. Like I oh. love it. Now I'll tell you number six, 65 on the greatest uh, songs, according to the American Film Institute. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of little other pieces of information related to that song. You already talked about Dolly Parton, which I think is awesome that, you know, and, and fun fact is in the movie, at one point, she and Kevin Costner are dancing and the Dolly Parton song is playing in the background hmm. in a bar or somewhere where they're dancing where I'm like, okay, that's kind of fun. Um, so this song reached number one on the Billboard Hot Country Song charts twice, okay? Uh, once in 1974 and then once in 1982, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, the only other person that ever did that was Chubby Checker, who had done that with the twist in the 1960 and 1962. It's Now, when Whitney put it out, uh, it spent 14 weeks at number one, which back then was a record. I'm, uh, it's been broken today, but back then, um, uh, record. Uh, record of the year for the Grammys, best pop female vocal performance that year, uh, Grammy win. This I thought was really, really funny when I read this. That the B side of that 45 is Jesus Loves Me <laughs> and Do You Hear What I Hear. 
I don't know how that worked out. But if you had that 45, you would have I Will Always Love You on one side, and then you would have those other two songs on the other side. All right, go for it, Whitney. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you think of 90s songs and you think of 90s movies, these are completely, completely synonymous with each other. And uh, when, I was, when I was going through this, I'm like, oh, I, I would be dumbfounded if Paul didn't have this on his list. I love that we both have a Whitney Houston song and a Celine Dion song on our list. I might need to go play some sports right now. Um, <laughs> you gotta go find money in football. I don't play sports. I don't know. <laughs> I watch it for the country singers. Okay, Paul, are there any that did not make your list? I have three that I really wanted to make my list, but I just, hmm. I was like, I can't put it above any of these five. Well, the the seal, Kiss from the Rose, yep. that was that was one that was hard not to put on the list. Okay. Um, oh, <laughs> the kiss me song from the that's one of mine I can't remember what movie that's from she's, she's all, all that. that that was i love that song that was close i love that song um, there's some songs sixpence done the richer yes i know and i mean as like a good christian kid you're like oh it's crossover <laughs> oh man we're influencing culture but there's but there's no Jesus in this song. You're oh, then they're, they're selling out. Like there's this, doesn't matter. There's this excitement, like oh, Christian artists. But then they're not talking about Jesus. And then, then you're like, oh well, that's not good. Oh, they did the Amy Grant thing. <laughs> right. What? Uh, I also have two more. I have that thing you do from the film. That thing you do. Yes. That came cool. That came close. And then um, one that's always a jam to me is King of Wishful Thinking from Pretty Woman. Uh, yes. <laughs> Horrible song. No, yep. But mm-hmm. boy, boy, do I love yeah. it. I feel great about my top five list, though. I think I think you should. I think you should feel very good. I was thinking. <laughs> I feel good the, about your top five list the, too. Uh, the the thing you do was that was mm-hmm. I, that was just a cool song, and it in a cool yeah, movie. And it was that was the name of the movie, and it was all about that song. So, but yeah, yeah. it got oh well. well. But these did. Paul, thank you so much. Absolutely had a blast talking about great songs today. So funny to laugh with you again. I don't think we laughed as much, but we still laughed pretty hard. <laughs> At least the audience can hear now what we're talking about. True. <laughs> it was a blast Fantastic. as always. And, and maybe you'll be back either for 1970s or 2000s. Who knows? We'll figure out which, which direction we want to go. <laughs> Thanks again. Thanks for listening. I know what was on your list of questions. Where is Lost in Lists on the internet? First, Lost in Lists has its own Facebook page and Twitter account. On Facebook, just search us at Lost in Lists. And on Twitter, we are at In Lists. Also, we have our own website, LostInLists.com. Check it out. There's a lot of fun stuff on there. Guess what? Lost in Lists is on just about every major podcast platform. So wherever you listen, please show us some love. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Again, subscribe, rate, and review. Especially if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts. If you do, leave us a five-star review and a praiseworthy comment. I mean, only if you want to. It doesn't validate me as a human being or anything. Whatever. Anyway, if you have a podcast topic suggestion, or you would like to share some tips and advice, we'll take it. Feel free to email me at dan at lostinlists.com. That's D-A-N at L-O-S-T-I-N-L-I-S-T-S dot com. Anchor gives you an opportunity to donate money. So if you want to contribute to Lost in Lists, I'll take it. Look, I'm not too proud to admit it. If not, I'm not offended. Lost in Lists is hosted by me, Dan Konopasik. It's produced and edited by the amazing John Andrus. Thanks again. And you are definitely not lost on my list. Bye.